respond to reports of a missing person. The mother is on scene and requesting assistance. Unit 527 responding 1039. This is Over the Horizon and Far Away. Hello, hello. We are so excited you guys found us for another week. Welcome back to Over the Horizon and Far Away, a true crime podcast that covers cases of the missing and murdered that did not get the media attention they deserved. I'm Julia. And I'm Danielle. Thank you guys for joining us. Yes, we are so excited to have you back. Thank you so much for listening for another story. Today, I'm going to be sharing the case of Philip Madlock. So I'm going to start out by at least trying to tell you guys some information about Philip. One of the first thing I noticed about this case was it was kind of hard to find any information about him. I did find that he had at least one sibling he had an ex-girlfriend, and then interestingly, which is going to be very big in this story, was that he had a potential romance with a woman in the Dominican Republic. But aside from that, I couldn't find out much about who he is as a person. Based on his Facebook, I could see that he was super excited about an upcoming trip to the Dominican Republic. He posted pictures of his passport, of the location he was visiting. I'm not great with pronunciation, you guys, so I'm going to try this. Sousa? Sousa is what I feel like it is. I'm not, again, guys, not our strong suit. We acknowledge (laughs) that. You guys are welcome to do like an audio recording if you know the area and help us learn to pronounce it correctly. I also just wanted to take a little side note here that as we're recording, we put everything into like a nice little Word document for all of our notes and everything so we don't miss anything. And because I love Julia and I'm here to roast her for every day of her life. Instead of Dominican Republic, she put Dominical Republic. <laughs> so from here on out, we will now know it as the Dominical Republic. <laughs> At least I said it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You guys, we are just killing it over here. We are killing it. We are exhausted, but we're still grinding these episodes out. He also had pictures with family and friends. And then in several of his pictures, I noticed that he was in the gym. It seemed like he loved to work out. And I think that's awesome. I wish I could get him to the gym all the time, but it seems like he was able to get there. So that's awesome on him. Nothing has been posted since 2017. Reading through some social media comments related to this case as I was researching, I did find a common theme in that it seems... Like, the case didn't get very much attention until way later. Like, six months after he went missing, it seems like there was attention being gathered to the case. And then one thing I do know is that those within Philip's immediate circle and even the community continue to look for answers as to what happened to him. And I think that's so important. That community support is just huge in these cases. It's really what helps to keep these people's stories alive. So excellent to the community for continuing to think about Philip and care for him. Oh, absolutely. Not only that, but I mean, the more people you have looking and out trying to help, like the more ground you're covering. So that initial response from the community is so important in every case. Yes. So Philip's story starts in the town of Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln is the second largest city in Nebraska with a population of just over 297,000 people, 
Lincoln is known for its museums, its various restaurants and outdoor opportunities. It's known for being a relatively safe place to live with a crime rate that's considered to be below the national average, according to U.S. News. Side note here, I think that Nebraska is just a fascinating little place. I've always really wanted to visit Omaha, so I like that we get to cover a case in Nebraska. So I don't know a lot about Nebraska. However, what I do know is very important information, you guys. I'm going to share it with you, okay? So if you don't already know, all of the best drag queens reside in Omaha, Nebraska, and they are always doing the funnest stuff. So at some point, I want to go to Omaha, Nebraska and do all the drag queen events because um, they come here to our town every once in a while. I think maybe like two or three times a year. And it is a blast every single time. So you guys put it on your bucket list. Omaha, Nebraska, all the drag queen events. It's truly a blast. That's all I have for you guys. I did not know that, but I'm very glad that you let me and all of our listeners know that. Thank you. Guys, it's top secret, but I'm willing to share because it's (laughs) very important. The circumstances concerning Philip's disappearance began long before the date he was last seen, on June 28, 2017. Sources close to Philip report that in the weeks leading up to his disappearance, he told others that he was fearing for his life. Per the Charlie Project, on July 19th, Philip returned home from a trip to the Dominican Republic. Remember, I mentioned earlier that he was very excited about this trip. It is the Dominical Republic, you guys. She mispronounced that. (laughs) The Dominical Republic. I'll try to keep that in mind moving (laughs) forward. My top priority. Upon his arrival home, he began to act strangely. He said that he met a woman in the Dominican Republic and was quickly adamant that he needed to send her money so that she could buy a home. Okay, so hold on. I have some red flags immediately. Where did this woman come from? How in the world did we meet? How did we find her? Is she a serial killer? Like, I have questions. Yes, I have questions too. Like, my first thought is, how much does a home in the Dominican Republic cost in, like, U.S. dollars? Or do they use U.S. dollars? I don't know, but I just, I wonder how much he was looking to send her. Yeah, very interesting. You know what, guys? We're going to continue on with the story. We're going to circle back because I'm going to do some Googling for you guys. Thank you for your contribution. (laughs) Homes in the Dominical Republic. Be sure to type that in. That's how it's pronounced now. We have officially renamed it, you guys. Let's start a (laughs) petition. Now, I haven't been able to find any very concrete information from a really good source outside of social media on in this woman was a potential love interest or if you just felt bad for her but it seems like I'm going to lean more towards the love interest on this Um, and I will say that this is a catalyst for several subsequent troubling events in Philip's life. Okay you guys ready to circle back on this housing situation? Now housing in the Dominican Republic is actually pretty affordable it looks like so According to Realtor.com, I mean, really nice looking places are, I mean, easily in the 100000 to 300000 U.S. dollar price range. Now, you can certainly, if you're looking for like the fanciest of the fancy, there are some homes that are like, you know, well into the million dollar plus range. But for a very, very nice, modest home or even condos, I mean, very affordable, it seems like. Maybe we should all move. 
I could live near the beach for $150,000. I think that sounds like a great deal. Well, now the secret's out and everyone's going to move there and there's going to be no more $150,000 homes. Yeah, this cute little two-bedroom, one-bath in Punta Cana, less than $100,000. Let's just view the details and check that out. Oh, it's beautiful. It also looks like it might be pretty new construction because it almost looks like, um, I don't know what they're called, like the, what are the pictures called when they're drafting up what they want them to look like? Like it's like a floor plans? Yeah, yeah, something like that, almost. Oh, this place is, like, it's like a 3D image of it and okay that's really cool uh yeah and how nice is that for a hundred thousand dollars less than and they have like some little like ai created images and this place is adorable it is in like a townhouse type community but right in the middle of it is this huge like section of pool with some little bridges so like if i live on one side and you live on the other we just take the bridge across the pool okay that's great but then i start thinking of mosquitoes Oh, well, I mean, I think we can work our way around that. I guess so. Okay. Well, you guys, check it out because this might be something worth doing. <laughs> I guess if you don't mind the mosquitoes, buy one of those pool homes. One interesting thing was that I found Philip on Facebook and his relationship status was set to single. However, in March of that year, he was in a relationship. Prior to that, there were several posts about how in love he is, presumably with this woman from the Dominican Republic. And as of December, he was posting about how excited he was to see her and that he wanted her to be his wife. Hmm, that's a very fast jump. Yeah, it's a very, very rapid and extreme jump. What's even more interesting is that on November 22nd, 2016, he posted that he was cool with being single because in reality, it's stress-free. Then December 26th of that same year, he was engaged. Okay, that's way too fast. Um, that's what, just over a month? Yeah. That seems... You don't know somebody well enough to decide that you want to marry him in that little bit of time. I promise you, don't do it, guys. Also, marriage is a trap. <laughs> it's okay. We don't have to do it. Let's break the social norms, you guys. Around that same time, he posted that her family loves him, and then on the 10th, he was excited to go to the Dominican Republic to prove to all those doubting him wrong. He also said that he was excited to have a Dominican wife. So just in general, it seems like things progressed very, very rapidly here. Yeah, I would say so. But, like, I did see pictures of her, so it seems like they were FaceTiming, so it wasn't just, like, a, one of those odd things where they communicated just over messages and like you didn't even know that was a real person like there were facetime screenshots in there so he saw her i think it was a catfish i mean it could have i mean i guess it could have been a catfish with videos or whatever i don't know (laughs) (laughs) videos of meeting the family not long after philip declared that he needed to help this woman buy a house a report from the lincoln journal star reports that he told his former girlfriend he borrowed $2,000 from some Crips in California and was having trouble paying them back. Um. Okay, so again, this seems odd to me. How did you meet them? How did you end up in California to borrow this money? Um, and why are they just handing out money? This seems odd to me. 
I agree. It does seem like it's really odd. Um, and it just kind of points to how bizarre some of the behavior he was displaying was. Once he returned from this trip, Philip asked his sister if he could stay at her place and lay low for a while because some people may be trying to find and kill him. Following this, Philip began receiving phone messages from unknown people of his former residence. So that's like picture messages of his where he used to live. This made him increasingly paranoid and he began to frequently check outside his windows. So I this kind of worries me a little bit. Um, I think if somebody was coming after me for whatever reason, I don't think I would go to any friends or family. Number one, I just wouldn't want them drug into whatever drama I've created for myself. But also that's typically like the first piece place where people go to look for you, right? So I don't know that that was the best idea. It's a little concerning to me. I agree. It seems like, I mean, there are definitely pieces that I don't have to this puzzle, but it just seems like there's a lot that was missing or maybe he was just so frightened. He wasn't thinking clearly. I know that definitely happens to people like you don't make your best decisions when you're under extreme pressure, which he seemed to have been. And I could see his friends and family just wanting to help him. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense how it happened if people are opening their hearts to him and really want to make sure he's safe and he's maybe not making the best choices under duress. But yeah, very. Yeah, I think you're right. There's definitely just a lot of missing puzzle pieces here for sure. Mm -hmm. In late June, the Charlie Project reports that an unknown woman from Omaha began to threaten Philip, stating that he was the father of her child and she was threatening to retaliate because Philip denied this. So again, I got some thoughts, you guys. Big surprise, right? Um, I just don't really understand this. To me, I'm just thinking, I mean, we have child support agencies for a reason. I mean, they help with those sorts of things. He can deny all he wants, but like they can establish whether he's a father or not. I'm not sure that we need to go out here like threatening and whatnot about it. So that just, she apparently must have just too much time on her hands or something. My thinking on this is like, I my mind goes to two different places. Let's say this was this woman who had a child and thought it was his. Um, this is really bad timing for her to be like threatening him and wanting to retaliate while he's already terrified about these other people trying to hurt him. Like if this is really what was going on, then her timing was absolutely horrible because he's already under all this pressure from these other problems he's having. But I also think what if it wasn't a woman who was trying to threaten him over a child potentially being his and it was like these people who are following him trying to lure him out? Like my mind goes to a couple different places with this because that would lure somebody out. Like if they're scared that they have a kid or there's a child out there that needs a father that might get him to meet them somewhere or something. So I don't know. My mind goes to a couple different places on this. Yeah, I kind of think you're, I mean, I think that's definitely spot on assumption. Like it could definitely be somebody trying to trick him into coming out for sure. Because otherwise, again, it doesn't really like make sense that she's just out here going after him, upset that he's like denying this child. Again, when we have resources available, you know, at no cost to help you deal with those sorts of situations. That would just be a terrible way to start a co-parenting relationship. Like, hey, you have a kid. Now I'm threatening you and retaliating you like terrible way to start off with someone oh absolutely so this was reported on quite a bit in different media outlets i didn't find any inf additional information on it 
But again, if there really is a woman out there who thinks that this is the father of her child, terrible timing. From here, the story just becomes more and more tragic. The terror that this man must have felt in the days leading up to his disappearance is pretty gut-wrenching to think about. Like, having to just live in constant fear, anxiety, and paranoia. Just an absolutely terrifying way to have to go about life. After not hearing from him for two weeks, Philip's brother reported him missing on July 10th. Police later learned that he was staying with his girlfriend and she wound up kicking him out of her house, last speaking to him around June 28th, according to courtlistener.com. So it was a couple week time frame there where it seems like his dad hadn't heard from him, but he was still seen by somebody in his life. Oh, interesting. Okay. According to the Lincoln Journal Star, police learned that Philip's phone had been registered under the pseudonym Pablo Escobar, which is an alias his family hadn't heard him use before. Also, why would we choose that? Like, that's obviously <laughs> fake. I I am blown away. Also, I just had another thought um, back on, you know, people not really seeing him too much. Um, it made me kind of think of a time where I can't remember the circumstances, but I think you were like maybe driving across the state and then had gotten home or something. I can't remember, but I hadn't heard from you for like several hours and I was texting you and texting you and I wasn't getting a response. And I remember finally, I was like, if you do not respond to me, like I am calling the, like, mind you, this is just a few hours. <laughs> and so you, the point of this, you guys, is we see this happen a lot in these cases where families don't want to panic or we think, you know, mom thinks you're with the cousin, cousin thinks you're with the brother. And like suddenly everybody gets together and realizes nobody's seen this person for weeks or months or whatever. Like we see that happen a lot. And so the point of this is you guys need to, everybody should have a plan. There should be somebody that you are in daily contact with and you have to have some sort of plan in place so that if you, that person does not hear from you, they are going to do A, B, and C. And then if those things are unsuccessful, they are calling law enforcement. I think if everybody can get that kind of plan in place with a loved one, I think that could help us see missing persons be reported sooner and ultimately be found. I think that's excellent for that. And then some other reasons as well, having that community engagement or like people that you know care about you is just so good for your mental health as well. Like isolation is such a terrifying thing. So for numerous reasons, yeah, keeping in contact with others and letting them know that like they're loved and cared for and watched out for is definitely a huge component in having a happy, healthy life. They also learned that his phone had been traced to Des Moines. I think that's how you say it. Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. Iowa between July 25th and August 15th. According to that same article, police filed an affidavit for those phone records in November of that same year. So what happened to Philip? We have all these like different reports about when his phone was being used, when he was last seen, who saw him last, where he was, what was going on. Well, unfortunately, it appears that Philip actually had good reason to fear for his life. He owed money to some dangerous people. And this seems to have eventually caught up with him. Philip's fears were eventually realized when he was recognized by two individuals who claimed that 
he owed them some money. Court documents state that confidential informants were instrumental in figuring out just what happened to Philip Madlock. Oh, this should be a good, a nice wild ride because you guys know how I feel about the confidential informants. This is absolutely a wild ride, a very sad ride. On July 10th, 2017, police were in contact with Philip's brother who stated that he was concerned when he went a couple weeks without hearing from Philip. Per the Lincoln Journal Star, it was unusual for Philip to go such a long time without contacting his family. Another key player in figuring out what happened was a friend of Philip's named Tim Montgomery. Per Casetext.com, Tim advised Lincoln police that he'd help Philip locate marijuana. Tim got him in contact with a man named Paul Clark, and on July 18th, both Paul and another man named Dominic Aguire, arrived at Tim's house. Per courtlistener.com, Tim knew that Paul had a farm out in California where he grew marijuana, so he thought it would be helpful to put him in contact with Philip. When Paul arrived, he began to argue with Philip about some money that Philip allegedly owed him. Eventually, Dominic started in, too, about some money that Philip may have owed him, and this quickly became a heated exchange. All three of them were in Tim's house going back and forth about this debt. During the course of this argument, Dominic ended up punching Philip in the mouth, hard enough to bust his lip open. Dominic continued to physically assault Philip until Tim stepped in and tried to push him off of Philip. But Dominic wound up pulling out a gun and threatened him for event attempting to interfere. Tim jumped behind Paul and begged Paul to stop Dominic, and Philip also began to beg Paul to stop Dominic. Paul did not do that, and he instead continued to demand money from Philip. The situation only got worse from there. Dominic then began to hit Philip in the face with a handgun, busting open his eyebrow, and eventually causing him to bleed even more profusely. At this point, Tim noticed that Paul also had a handgun, and the two continued to assault Philip while Tim begged them to just leave his home. The assault continued into different parts of the house, eventually ending up in the garage. Tim tried everything to get them to leave. He started telling him that his family would be home soon. He was concerned that blood was getting everywhere, and his house was just being disrupted. Paul told him that he'd make sure the house got cleaned up and got on the phone. At this time, Paul called Marie Whitaker and Anthony Brock. One of these two, Marie, is listed as also having spoken to investigators. She said that Paul called her and asked her to clean Tim's home. Now, she'd cleaned homes for Paul in the past and walked in expecting the situation to be something similar to what she dealt with before with him. In the past, it doesn't seem like they were as nefarious of purposes. She'd cleaned home that he's remodeled. Instead of what she was expecting, she walked into a big, bloody mess. When she was outside, she saw Dominic, and inside she found Philip lying on the floor. She also overheard Paul being told by another man that they thought Paul may have broken the man's jaw, that man being Philip. 
Anthony reported that he received a Snapchat of a man who we now know to be Philip being beaten, followed by directions to Tim's home. He witnessed Philip on the ground, mumbling incoherently and moaning. Not long after he arrived, Philip was carried and placed into the back of his own vehicle. Dominic drove Philip's vehicle, while Paul followed behind and Anthony followed behind them. According to court listener, they stopped at a business where Paul and Anthony went inside. When they came out, they witnessed Philip's vehicle rocking back and forth. Not long after that, it was discovered that Philip was dead, Dominic stating that he choked on his own blood. His body was later disposed of outside of Lancaster County. Philip's Charlie Project article states that confidential informants told investigators that they believe Philip's body was taken to a farm near Ashland, Nebraska, placed into a body barrel, and burned for three days. So that's really wild because I don't know if you might, I don't know if you know anything about this, but um, with cremation, like the body isn't fully ash, like there's still bone pieces and stuff like that. And with cremation, like it has to get very, very, very hot in order to even get to that status. So in order to have accomplished that, like in a burn barrel, um, that is what, I mean, they literally had to sit there for three days straight, just constant accelerants and just constant managing of that fire to really get anywhere. That's wild. Yeah, I thought that was really strange too. And it just seems to me like, not a super efficient way to get rid of a body trying to burn it um but i will provide a little more on that later both paul and dominic took plea deals in philip's case paul pled no contest to his assault and weapons charges while dominic pled guilty to first degree assault and attempted kidnapping both both murder charges did end up being dropped however the two were sentenced to 60 to 80 years in prison. So I think it sucks that the murder charges were dropped, but I am glad that these two are likely to be in prison for the entire rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about 60 years, I mean, once you hit 20, that's likely going to be the rest of your life because prison life is hard. Mm-hmm. You're not. The medical care isn't great. The food isn't great. Like this. I mean, just everything about being in prison isn't great. So that definitely shortens your lifespan so I agree they were and I'm sure they were older than 20 so I think that'll be that'll be it for them yeah the constant stress not seeing the sun like I agree with that completely unfortunately Philip's body was never found and the farmland was searched however they never found anything leading to Philip's body which I think is pretty interesting because like you said earlier it's hard to get rid of an entire body by burning it and they never found anything leading to his body. So I wonder if that is actually what happened or maybe they were successful in burning it. I mean, who knows, but as of now, his body has not been found. According to Philip's Charlie project page, investigators did find bone fragments, but they ended up not being human bone fragments. What? Gosh, that's awful. Yes. While there hasn't been a body found, it is generally believed that foul play was involved in Philip's disappearance. At the time of this recording, Philip Philip Madlock's body has not been found and his whereabouts remain unknown. Philip is described as an African-American male 
He's roughly 5'10 and weighs about 190 pounds. Philip has black hair and brown eyes. He has several tattoos along his arms, back, chest, and shoulders. If you or someone you know has a missing loved one, you can reach out to the Missing Person Support Center at mpsupportcenter.org. If you have any information on the disappearance of Philip Madlock, please contact the Lincoln Police Department at 402-441-7718. All source material is located in the show notes. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the episode, and we encourage you to reach out to authorities if you have any information on his case. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find the source material in the show notes. To show your support, please leave us a review on the platform you're listening on. This is the best way to support us, and this is what pushes our podcast out to new listeners. You can subscribe on Patreon. We are on Patreon as Over the Horizon and Far Away. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Over the Horizon and Far Away. If you would like to submit a case for us to cover, you can email us at overthehorizonandfaraway at gmail.com, or you can find our case submission form on any of our socials. We will see you guys next week. Bye!